everybody, Lou Zant. Welcome to Major Crush. I'm here with Meredith Griffin. And, um, you know, just like we promised, uh, we're going to try to do a, a good tutorial today on Burgundy. Yeah, Burgundian <laughs> wine. Gosh, Meredith, it, it's like some many, many believe it's the best in the world. For sure they do. Think one of those you know we talk about those wow moments when we discuss yeah. wine and what kind of changed our world a little bit and I would say it was a French uh, white burgundy wine I remember my husband and I went to dinner in Boston one night for my birthday dinner and I had been reading all about um, I, the Puni Pui Pui uh, no, no, no. It's oh, the, the Puy Montrachet. Montrachet. That's yeah. it. And I had been reading about it and we get to dinner and it's on the menu and it, they always say how it's going to go with this white fish we were eating. And I was like, gosh, this is more money than we've ever spent <laughs> on a white wine, but we got to do it. And I will say it was a life changing moment. From that moment on, I went, wow, I might actually like Chardonnay and I'm going to certainly explore more of the Burgundian Chardonnays. So that's nice when finally, when you do splurge yeah, and it's worth it. it and, was, I, and, and, and I can remember tasting it at our friend's house in Greenwich, Connecticut, a Montrachet. Mm. And you, you know, I mean, I, I know that. I, I mean, I know that wines have a perceived value, mm -hmm. but I think it really is a valuable thing. And of course, um, DRC, Domaine Romani Conte, mm. And their yeah. pinots are, are come out as the most expensive in the world. They're world renowned. The highest rated. I mean, we've learned in class, you know, both you and I going through the W set wine education classes that really Burgundian winemakers are kind of considered the pioneers of making exceedingly fantastic Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Or, yeah, absolutely. You know, in talking about Burgundy, first of all, we're on a little bit of the eastern side of France. Correct. Mm -hmm. And it runs up and down much like the Rhone Valley. Mm -hmm. It kind of looks like the mirror to the Rhone yeah, to me. Yeah, just more north because it's right near the, the Rhone River. And over 2,000 years has gone in development of this complexity uh, of two wines. Mm -hmm. two, two wines it's all wines. they produce yeah i mean we did we did our episode on we did it on bordeaux and we did it on rhone yeah. and that was more complicated because you're dealing with a lot of different varietals in those and a lot of different laws based on those varietals i gotta say burgundy makes it really easy this there's, is gonna be a walk in the park there's except for white all the cool little details exactly there's if you're talking about a burgundian white it's Chardonnay. If you're talking about a Burgundian red, it's Pinot Noir. It doesn't get simpler than that. It's simple. Let's go up and, and take a look at the most northern part of the region, Chablis. Yeah, Chablis. It's the most northern, so it's the coolest weather. In fact, sometimes they have a hard time ripening the grapes up there because of how cool it is. I know. I, li I like, um, I was talking to a French uh, lady winemaker, and she says, Burgundy, the climate is continental. In the summer, it's hot, and in the winter, it's cool. <laughs> that's very well said. Well, you know? there you there you go. 
<laughs> but but he... I, I know that the you know they in these small little regions like Chablis and and Cote d'Or and stuff, they still have um, a real diversity of soils. They do, mm-hmm. and I think that is what challenged the monks over the fat past couple of thousand years. To really develop according to the soil what that mm. grape's trying to say mm-hmm. and become do the best thing you can do with a grape given whatever minerality or acidity that might come from the lime right. or the minerality that might come from the clay. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a certain regions we'll talk about later on in this podcast that the soil's bright red. Right. It's I know. Full it's of iron so and, fascinating. Yeah. Again, it's not a very big region we're talking about here, but... Like Lou said, lots of diversity in the soil and the, the climate just between, especially between Chablis and the rest of the, what we would call Burgundian region. And as far as history goes, you can, you know, always go back to the Romans. The Romans brought all that, all the, all the vines up from Rome pretty much. But what's interesting, uh, the monks found a wild vine in the forest Really? And it turned out to be Pinot Noir. Really? Yeah, that's why they started planting uh, it. I did not. I didn't. You again, Lou always has such <laughs> great background stories. Well, the you know the Dukes of Burgundy were in the all the other religious orders dictated wine making most in the region, but um, the monks really set the standard of mm-hmm. winemaking, which is so true. Well, Chateauneuf de Pop yeah. was the monks, you know, it's the true. house of the, the Pope. Yeah, house of the Pope. And um, it's really interesting. To, uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I was raised Catholic, so you have wine as part of communion. Yeah. So well, that's of... how local, our buddy Don Sebastiani made it through Prohibition because he made communion wine. Right, right. Um, so let's, t- well, and as far as total Burgundy, I want to point out, Bone is yes. the epicenter. It's, yes, it's the marketplace, the town and... of Bone, and then it's kind of like you said, the the center and the heart of, and yeah, I don't know. I feel like we can start up there with no, the most northern part of Chablis and kind of work our way down through the. What there's four real distinct regions. If you say Chablis, the Cote d'Or, which then can be broken into two additional ones, Cote de Nuit and Cote de Bone. Yep. And then you have Mackinac and Chalon, Chalonnet. Chalonnet, and then of course. Then you get into um, Beaujolais, Beaujolais, which some put as part of. Yeah. But it gets into a whole different grape varietal, so. It's such a totally. It's the only place that grows, as we know, 100% Gamay. Yeah. And their wines are so different, so we're going to put them in another region. Yeah. <laughs> let's just focus. Let's have fun with Chardonnay. Put them on the fence. Yeah, put exactly. Them, let's put them on the fence. So let's talk a little bit about um, Chablis. Mm-hmm. How many wines do they make there? One wine. That's it. That's it. That's that's 100%. the Appalachian Chablis, right? Yep. Yeah. So and if you drink a Chablis, you're drinking Chardonnay. It's Chardonnay and 100% Chardonnay. There's yeah. nothing else being added to that. No. And the difference you'll notice, like I knew when my sister turned me on to my, I think the first Chardonnay I focused on, mm-hmm. and it was crisp, mm-hmm. light, you know? Yeah. Different than, char- than the shards I'd been drinking. True. Chablis, because of that cooler climate that they have, those grapes keep that high acid. So you get these much more acidic wines, like you're saying, lighter. You're going to get more, I think you get more citrus out of the wines coming from Chablis than you do any other region out of Burgundy. And also some green fruits a lot of times. And it's interesting. They do pull out a beautiful minerality. Mm-hmm. 
I totally agree. Right? Absolutely. But the focus to me, I mean, the, the distinction is that acidity. Mm-hmm. It's just light and crisp. And I know there's three, and there's only three appellations in all of Chablis. You've got Petit Chablis, Chablis, yes. and Grand Cru. Right. And you know what? That's interesting to me when we learned about Grand Cru, that, that area of Grand Cru Chablis has seven different climates. Does it really? Yeah. Wow. Because I, I didn't it, realize I think it's, that. It's probably right in that right touch of that 50 latitude. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it kind of dips below it a little bit above seven yeah. climates. Now, no wonder. No wonder. They can kick it on Chablis. Oh, and I do love a good Chablis. Mm hmm. Let's move a little further south of Chablis and we'll get into the Cote d'Or. And the Cote d'Or has two different, very distinct regions, the Cote de Nuit and Cote de Bone. And typically Cote de Nuit is known more for their Pinots and yeah. then Cote de Bone is known more for their Chardonnays. Not that there aren't some of the other produced in each, it's just what they become more They're sort famous of famous for. amongst all that. Okay, so picture this. The city of Dijon mm-hmm. is at the very top of this area, this part of the region that we're going into. Yep. And as a, as a little sidebar, you know, Meredith, my favorite clone in Pinot uh, is a Dijon clone. Yeah. You know, um, when we were at, Spare, at Square Peg, Alex and, and Brad, they used the Dijon clone on one of their vineyards and the Claire clone on the other. Gosh. And I every time I pick it. You I think the Dijon. Dijon has more minerality, or so you play. You can taste the soil better in it. I'd love. I'd love to do more of a side by side tasting of those two, so I feel like I could yeah. zone in on that. They're terrific. So, so we're in. We're in um, Dijon. We're heading down to Bon, mm-hmm. and like you said, we're going to go through Côtes d'Or, which um, encompasses both Côtes d'Or and Côtes de Bon. Right. And these are the mm-hmm. most revered expensive wines in the world and as you had brought up the one earlier in Cote de Nuit is the one of the most expensive Pinot Noirs that's world-renowned the Vanier Romani Vanier von Romani and Romani Conte and they over here the hipsters call it DRC Domain yeah. Romani Conte. We can be. That's just because no one wants to pronounce it. Yeah. And then, Let's face it. I'd like to call it something other than what it is. And it's talked about so much in Saumonier School because it's the, it is the benchmark for Burgundian wines. And, Come on. And Pinot Noir. Yeah. Mainly. And Pinots all over the world. Absolutely. So that's a little bit more. That's closer. Um, so Cote de Nuit is closer to Dijon, and then further south is when you get into like Lou said, Bone and Cote de Bone, which is kind of the. The heart of Burgundy. Yeah, and you know, in, in Côtes d'Huit, um, in the reds, you've got Grand Cru reds, mm-hmm. and they're very complex, and and golly, you can age them forever. Like Chamartin and it is a Grand Cru of note for that area if you want to try one. Ooh. Get any of the, the Grand Cru Chamartins, and also Premier Cru. Premier and Cru, yeah. What, what they're saying to me... And I've experienced this. The Premier Crews are way different in price. When you get into Grand Cru, you're talking 
hundreds. Thousands. Thousands, yeah. yeah. Premier crew. So think of that. I think that kind of comes important to talk a little bit about the law in Burgundy because it's so different here than it was in Bordeaux. Yeah. But basically that's it. At the If you think of like the base level, that's just they're going to call it a Bourguignon. And if it's red or rouge Bourguignon, then it's Pinot. And if it's um, Bourguignon Blanc, Blanc, it's Chardonnay. And that's just... Yeah. Those grapes can come from anywhere in Burgundy. It's the most basic. And then you have the villages, uh -huh. which are, then it just has the name, like it would say, um, you know. Village de Clos and all those. Yeah. yeah. It'll have village in front of it. <laughs> or them. like a Cote de Nui village, and then maybe with the name of the actual um, wine, wine winery or winemaker. But then that's what you're talking about. Then you go Premier Crew. And then Grand Crew, which is at the very top. And like you said, those Killer. are... But Killer. But you can find some great oh, Premier my gosh, Crew. And even yeah. a lot of the village levels, I think... Oh, that village level. The, um, I had a Marsanay. Oh, um, okay. M-A-R-S-A-N-N-A-Y. Uh, my gosh. It, it knocked my socks off. Really I mean, it was good. just everything you want in a Burgundian Pinot. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, so you don't have to break the bank buying Burgundian I mean, wine. You know, the $25,000 bottle is only about 100 yards away, the vineyard. You yeah, know? I mean, right. <laughs> come on. I'd sure that's one of those regions I really want to go visit because I just think it would be so cool to see that because how they do those premier and grand crew is it's all on slope and where they are on the mountains right lou isn't that that's what we mm -hmm. in class you know those premier and grand crew come from mid slope that's where they say mid slope the, is say the best the best grapes and so yeah. if you're getting you know some of those village levels or then the just general appellation bourguignon yeah are coming more from the the um bottom of the slope or the very top of the slope where they're saying they're they're not bad. They're just it's not. Just got, and it's got good drainage, you know, mm -hmm. and it doesn't get the hot, hot um, part of the sun. It just right. gets a, a steady uh, sun. And it's probably protected by the fog from the real cold. It is. So it puts it, a blanket around it. It is. And you're, they're usually on the eastern side of the mountain range. So they're protected from all the bad weather that's right. on the other side. Yeah. So those mountains protect. And if you're mid-slope, maybe the top of the mountain might be getting some of it. But mid-slope, you're not going to get what I'm thinking. They're above the fog line. They're, they're, they're going to suffer. Yeah. So it's just so interesting to think about. Let's get down to the most famous one that you got to taste in Boston at dinner. Yeah. Montrachet from oh, yeah, the Coats de Bone. Pouligny? Pouligny? Pouligny Montrachet. Pouligny I'm going to get it right. <laughs> so guys, no matter how many times you practice it, no matter how many times you're tested on it, you'll still get in front of a microphone and, and blow it. You we totally do it all will. the time. All the time. But I can certainly recognize it on a wine list and I know what it is. And that's the most important thing. But that was the one that changed my life from knowing what a white burgundy is. And again, that wasn't a that wasn't thousands of dollars. It was a couple hundred dollars, which is more well, than we had ever It's interesting, but the Judgment of Paris when we interviewed Ron Fanolio yeah. from Vetercrest, um the wine that Chateau Montalena went up against was a Montrachet, $440 a bottle then. Yeah. You know what's interesting? This area, where it has the most famous 
mm-hmm. white is mostly planted with pinot. It, it really? has a higher percentage of Pinot. Even though they're most famous than, for than the white. Chard, yeah. Inch, isn't and, that fascinating? Um, you know, the Pinot that's grown out of that limestone soil, um, it just it brightens. And I think that's what we love about that mm-hmm. Pinot's from that area. They're bright. Yeah. The fruit on them is very bright. Mm-hmm. Which a Burgundian Pinot between you and I can be a little dull. It can't, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's why you want some of that acid in there that brightens it up. Yeah, so you might look for pinots from bone, mm-hmm. and you would probably, you know, see labels that you would want to make note of, say, pomard. Mm-hmm. Pomard's great wines. Yeah, in fact, the only red comes out of pomard, right? Yeah, that's the yeah. red part of bone. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah. yeah. And Vol- Volnay? Volnay. Is the same. Yeah, they're not as famous as DRC. I'm getting hip. Yeah. Domain Romani Conte. But but a lot of times, uh, experienced Burgund- Burgundy lovers like them more. Hmm. Yeah. So there's our shot. Yeah, just and they're gonna pay less for them. So yeah, you gotta give we're up. gonna go look for a Pomard or a Volvet. I don't. Yeah. Volney. And they're one of the few French regions that actually rely on new French oak. Oh yes. But of course, when you're paying twenty five hundred dollars a bottle on the release, you can buy a lot of new French oak. Yeah. let's keep heading south. So we covered Chablis, we covered the Cote d'Or, and now we're going to go a little bit further south to the Cote Chalonnaise. Mm, which, I'm sitting on G waiting for O. Let's go. Which, one of my favorite regions, I you know why? Would be. Bubbles, bubbles. They produce some sparkling wine. So of course when we talk French, we always, the first sparkling anyone ever thinks about is champagne. Yep. Which, of course, there's fantastic sparkling that comes from champagne. Kind again, of invented it there. The benchmark. But, let's face it again, price for champagne can be a little high. Yep. Well, what you want to look for, you can get a lot of times same grapes. So, champagnes made typically Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. Yep. You can get a lot of those same grapes in France by looking for a Cremant, and in this case, coming out of the Chalonnay region, is Cremant de Bourguignon. Oh, Which boy. means that it's probably made from those same grapes, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, because that's what's... They are. Well, and there's another grape. You know, the oh, city yes. of Bougeron... That's right. ...is known for being the only AOC, Appellation Originale de Controle, from the grape Aligote. Mmm, and they use that in their and sparkling. And they do it because it's like a dry... And it's got a really delicious, fruity, and crispy flavors. And if you drink it non-sparkling, it is used for a aperitif. Mm, it's really light. And, and really one of my favorite lunch wines. Oh. It's yeah. so good. It, it can go it's with true, a hamburger everyone. or a we salad. We drink wine at lunch here oh, in wine yeah, country. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. It holds us... Hold us until 3.30 when it's rosé yeah. time. which wait, does, isn't it about time for us to open up a... I think it is. I think we need to open up some Burgundian white to get Let's things, do that. to get this party started. I like Maybe it. Maybe my French will improve as we drink wine. I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll finally get the enunciations of this. Yeah. Here we go. This is a beautiful, about a oh. 10-year-old Chardonnay. Look at the color on it. Wow, that We're kind golden... of drinking some aged shards right now. Yeah, we? We're, we have a theme going. Yeah. Tell me about Rouet. Rouet is there near uh, 
Chalonet. Yeah, it's one of the four appellations that exist within uh, the Cote Chalonet. So again, Cote Chalonet is the larger area, and then there's four village appellations that those are typically what you're going to see on a bottle of wine. But Roulet is where the, their sparklings coming from, Mala Chalonet. Which, you know, I've, I think I've only had one Cremant out of that region, and I remember really liking it. Of course, you did. Is there any bubble I don't like? You, not too many. Yeah. Not too so. many. The one we got out of um, Little Rock, Arkansas, that was growing that, you weren't too fond of that. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> no offense, Little Rock, but I'm not sure I even remember that. <laughs> so, um, Montenay would be one of the famous wines from this region that's made from shard grapes and ter obviously terrific with fish and as a aperitif. Um, Correct. And uh, guys, the world is sparkling. You know what? I, I'm reminded of Mary. We got to do a podcast. I was going to say, don't say sparkling. it. Here we go. We now we're promising My a sparkling, goodness. but I'm all about doing. Podcast on that might just have to wait till season two, right? And we'll pair it with some sports. That I like that. We'll but, celebrate a victory in one of our games that we go to. But I'm all on for a whole bubble episode. Well, and it's a good time maybe to talk about cava. I know that the workers began another strike in oh, Spain on cava. Cava's the sparkling from Spain, guys. And uh, so that, keep your eyes on that on the news. All right, but we'll st let's get back to Burgundy. My, when I was taking the WSET class, and since I took mine after you did, you took yours way before I did. Not way before, but... Yeah, six I, months. <laughs> I just took mine in the last month, and that shows you how wine is always yeah. evolving and changing. That even when I took the class just a month ago, uh, they pointed out, our instructor said that, and I mean, I don't know what we do about this, but I feel like we should give you this information that... Burgundy no longer wants to be referred to as Burgundy. They yeah. want to be referred to as Bourguignon because they make the point that we don't change in America. We don't change Bordeaux to something different. We call it Bordeaux. So yeah. they think that we need to change it. Bourguignon, I think, is a little harder to say and doesn't roll off the tongue as easy as Burgundy. I don't know how we got Burgundy because it should be Bourguignon. It's not a difficult no, pronunciation. But, so... And we should honor that, guys. We should try and change it. I mean, they are the heart of where wine started. So I felt it important to at least bring right, that well, up. Let, let's go a little bit more south from Rouet to Mercuret. To the Macanay. Well, we're I, not there yet. Oh, I want to go to Mercuret. Oh, sorry. No, I'm sorry. You know, southern yep. Burgundy, it's... You it's know, in the Chalonnais. It's in the Chalonnais. And one of the things that's interesting to me, it's the most structured wines mm. of all of, all of Bourguignon. Mm. And... You know, you and I have been, you know, all the 18 releases that we've been tasting are very angular and, you know, they hadn't built their structure at we all need yet. More so time. I'm seeing the difficulty in, in producing a very well structured wine. Mm -hmm. And so I think we've got to give creds to uh, Mercure. Yeah. And 90% is Pinot. Okay. 10% Chard. I, I think I remember that because our teacher said to remember how it's red is. Mercury, think of Mercury rising, which is... It's, to me, you know yeah. what it is? The Russian River. Mm. Of, of, oh. You know what I mean? Good like, point. Russian River have the most structured wines. They do. You get... Big Pinot producer. Yeah. You get so many different... Com a lot more complex coming out of there. 
So that's a suggestion. You get a good Russian River Pinot, um, very similar. Mm -hmm. And um, now, take it away. Let's go to Mackinac. keep going south we just keep going further south and that's something to think about too as we move south you got to think in burgundy it gets warmer yeah so grapes are getting riper they say that the wines get a little bit more fuller body the further south you go yeah, so the sugars are gonna get they're getting that mediterranean breeze mm. you know and the warmth so once we get to Mackinac, we're talking some of the more full-bodied and also then they say when you get those more full-bodied, sweeter, a little bit more, uh, well, at least with Chardonnay, you're gonna get a little bit more of those tropical fruits tend to come in. And then the reds start to be, again, also more fuller-bodied. There's six appellations in Mackinac. And it's interesting, but they claim, a lot of, a lot of critics claim that the Puy Vousset from there rivals Chablis. Yeah, it's, the Pouille Fousset is said to be one of the most famous. Uh, also the St. Varan, Varan. Varan, St. Yeah. Varan. And one of the things, too, to note about those is sometimes you get a lot more better bang for your buck with those. A lot better. Mm -hmm. A lot better pricing. So look for that. Um, when you get down to the Mackinac, you've got probably the most diverse landscapes mm -hmm. of all the other Appalachians. And um, <clears throat> these... Well, it widens out a little bit more. Like the area, when we talk in the Cote d'Or and those, they're pretty narrow yeah, areas they are. we're talking they're about. Yeah, very narrow. When we get into Mackinac, it starts to be a little bit more spread out, it seems. Well, when you mention Cote, it means slope. Mm -hmm. So you know they're going to be tight along the river. And so, yeah, the, the more spread out, more diverse landscapes, and obviously a lot of different weather mm -hmm. and different climates. So you've got different exposures that impacts the wine's diversity ton of diversity in these wines. I've seen three Pouy Fousses lined up, and it's almost like Rieslings. Oh, but you know oh. how Riesling, you could go a dry or, a, yeah. or, or you know, like sweet or whatever, dry off dry. I've had three Pouy, Pouy Fousses in a, in a lateral tasting. Unbelievable. Real, so different even from the with same the sweet region level or just like flavors? kind of total okay you know there's gotta be there, obviously some of them were higher bricks because they may might they might have come from southern Mackinac. more for right? yeah right right but also you know how we talked about Rue is 90 percent pinot mm -hmm. you go down one aoc and it's 90 percent shard in fact i think if you see the term macan villages on a label or just Mackin. Again, I'm not sure exactly. It's M-A-C-O-N, just so you for you guys at home. But they um, that's a white wine. I think if it, if it has that label, it can only be white, which means it's Chardonnay. Yep. But if it says um, just Mackin without the villages after it, then it can be red or white. I got you. Good, Does that good make point. sense? Yeah, that's okay. a good point. Yeah. So there's a, there's a great entry, guys. Get a bottle of Pouille Vousset tonight. Sit on the porch. Yeah. You can pound that on the porch. <laughs> creamy cheeses and some almonds. It'd be great. Yeah, we're having a few almonds with this. It's it, They're perfect. And some of the things I love about these wines, you know how I love mountain cabs. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, now when we get into Beaujolais, you have mountains and you got granite. Mm. So you get some of that gunpowder taste, that cobalt, yeah. that I like in a wine. 
I think you get it in the the ones that they age. Yeah. Yeah, not in their young ones, but I definitely well, in the, the ones... young one. Are we? Are you talking about Nouveau? Yeah. Yeah. Now the Nouveau, I have a theory on that. Okay. That's obviously they harvest it, bottle it, and drink it. Yeah. I think they're so anxious to taste that year's vintage that they've celebrated with a Nouveau, and it's a celebratory wine. Yeah. And it's usually popped at Thanksgiving. Yeah, usually the third, well, third Thursday, so. Third Thursday of November. French, the French don't celebrate Thanksgiving, but it equals our Thanksgiving here. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so right. it's a celebration, and you have that Nouveau Beaujolais. Yeah. I recommend everybody trying it. Yeah, and I heard it came about from, you know, everyone who worked the harvest and the vineyards. It was a way to celebrate the end of it and kind of just see what, the fruits of their labor was and what it might be like but it became like a big deal like the re people have release parties of Bougelot, oh huge Nouveau. it's party time yeah, yeah. it's yeah. And, and you know they're celebrating the end of harvest and yeah. finally they're going into the holidays and, and it's, it's a but great it's a really time. light fruity it is it's a wine. good kind of a celebratory wine it's yeah. good everybody have a uh, a Nouveau Beaujolais party this year. Yeah. And oh. it's inexpensive. Yeah, really You get a Whole Foods for like 9 bucks or $11. For sure. And you, and you can try several different ones of them. And but really, let's don't throw the baby out with the bathwater on Beaujolais. <laughs> because the no. wines are just incredibly flavorful with berries and strawberries and yeah. raspberries and blackberries. When mostly you, red fruits. Yeah, what you were talking about earlier, definitely getting that getting the flavors of the soil in there. And that gets into when we're talking more about the Beaujolais, um, the crews that right. they have. They have the four main, I think, there's multiples, but there's four main crews that come out Which of there. Which you should look for. Yeah. You really should. And then one of your favorite styles of fermentation would be semi and carbonic, carbonic mas macer maceration. Yeah. Yeah. They do a lot of semi at least. You know, they don't, some of them do full right, carbonic, but, but they do a lot of semi carbonic. So for those of you who don't, I mean, I know this, we didn't always know what semi-carbonic and carbonic maceration, no. and for some reason it kind of had a negative connotation when you'd originally hear about it, because it is, basically what it is, is instead of, you know, when you have the um, grapes and you pull the grapes off and then you ferment them, add yeast, they don't do that with this. They put whole clusters into a container, and the reason they do that is because they want to have less exposure of oxygen to the grapes. So what they do in semi-carbonic maceration is they put the grapes in, they leave um, the lid open to the vat that they're in or whatever container that they're in, usually stainless steel typically. And what happens is the weight of the grapes at the top cause the ones at the bottom to start releasing juice and they create their own yeast. Mm -hmm. And then what they do is they, and it start, they close it, then they close the cap and that yeast creates the CO2 and creates an environment for the fermentation to occur. But what this does is you get less tannin coming off of it. You tend to get more fruit aromas and it also keeps the alcohol lower because the fermentation is happening intracellularly. Yeah, it's not a huge conversion. Right. It's not happening outside. It's happening within the grapes. So you're getting a little bit less um, alcohol. But there's nothing better for bringing flavor forward yeah. than that. So you got a divergent climate and prices in Burgundy. Mm -hmm. 
And one thing that's, that's crystal clear to me, Meredith, Burgundy with its singular focus on benchmark grapes mm -hmm. with single vineyard expression is the home of the prestige wines of the world. Absolutely, and I'll go back to a point Ethan made when we tasted the aged Chardonnay with him, is there's a lot of history of winemaking there. And they're doing years. things that they've been doing, but they're also very inventive, but there's history and culture there, which I think even makes their wines just more mystical a little bit. I love it. I hope you guys learned a lot about Burgundy today, and thanks for listening, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.